0: Before we get started, I want to say a big thank you to the patrons of the podcast, bringing you today's episode. You can find out more about supporting the show at patreon.com slash disciples. This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 79. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and today I'm chatting with Montessori mom and podcast host Danielle Mitchell. Danielle shares a bit about Maria Montessori and how her writing has impacted her home life and motherhood. Friends, if you have little ones at home, you are going to especially love this episode. Thanks for listening in today. Here's my chat with Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Amber. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to chat with you and especially to chat about Montessori, Um, but I thought you could start us off just by telling us a little bit about you and about your family. We are in North Texas in
1: the Fort Worth area, so I've been married for eight years to Edmund Mitchell. We met in college and got married and lived in Toledo, Ohio for three years and then moved back down to Texas to be in your family once we found out we were pregnant with number three. We just had our fifth child. In last year. So we've got five kids and we're living here in Grapevine and my husband works for the church. I do some doula work once or twice a year and work distance for my parents' family business. So it's kind of, and we homeschool our kids, which are the oldest is seven and the youngest is one and the the rest are spread out in between
0: that's awesome I love that yeah I love hearing that you do a little bit of doula work and you're homeschooling and you have five kids and because I think a lot of times people say you know it's not possible to homeschool and you know do all those things but um uh I love that you're just doing it that's awesome Uh, yeah I don't
1: know how successful we're being but we're definitely (laughs) trying very hard to be successful yeah
0: (laughs) That's, that's great.
1: it's so hard to gauge, though, because, you know, part of the reason you homeschool is that you don't want to like have the constant testing because mm-hmm. then you just end up teaching for the test.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's
1: not like the bigger goal of education is to like inspire this wonder for them to actually always be educating themselves like throughout their life. You know, mm-hmm. like you're not ever fully educated. Like no one should ever be fully educated. Mm-hmm. You should always be learning and like have that desire to learn more about whatever it is you need you want to learn about or need to learn about mm-hmm. for work or life or whatever. So like that's that's kind of the struggle is like is knowing if you're doing enough without like all of the the testing and unnecessary stuff of like yeah. the whole reason that you're not doing formal school, you know, so or like public school at least.
0: Right yeah that's yeah. interesting have you kind of always had that uh vision and philosophy or did you guys send send your kids to school first and then homeschool or have you always been homeschooled so
1: we've always kind of like before we got married talked about homeschooling and how like it would be the ideal for our family if we could make it work and i guess whenever Um, The fourth was born. I got really overwhelmed Um, and I struggle with postpartum depression. So I think a lot of that was part of it. And we also like move every year, (laughs) even though we're Mm -hmm. like in the same area, we're like always moving houses and switching around to like, just try to make life work. And Mm -hmm. so my, so we sent them to preschool, like a Montessori preschool for a year the oldest two for like a year. And I, I think that really helped them and gave them a structure for, Oh, like school is like this thing that we do. And like, we have these, like, like it's like, they would actually sit down afterwards. And so it actually did give them a a good, like the Montessori school gave them a good basis to start at home. It took a lot of the work out out of it for me because I have a hard time being consistent, obviously with pregnancies and births and newborns and diapers and, you know, baby schedules that you have to work around at home all the time. So yeah, we, they did go to preschool for a little bit, um, but we ended up pulling them out and actually starting the homeschooling journey when they were, the oldest two were like, we were all basically sick for almost two months mm-hmm. and we were paying tuition, but they couldn't go oh, because they were sick. Yeah. And so I was like, this is why people homeschool. we us just to <laughs> do that. Like, let's just start. It's better than this. Like, they can still do their work when they're, like, recovering from being sick but still can't go to school yet yeah. or, like, in the middle of a, like, Christmas break or whatever. Yeah. So that's how we jumped in. Like, that was the push that Guy gave me to start because I was super scared to start. <laughs> no yeah. overwhelmed.
0: Yeah, I love that. Our, our plan is to homeschool next year, too. And uh, we have a, a five-year-old and our five-year-old's the oldest, actually, and um a three-year-old who will kind of, you know, kind of tag along and and then yeah. uh, a newborn. And um yeah, the flexibility of it is just uh, so appealing where if you are sick, you can take some time off or if you want to go on a family vacation, you can do that whenever and it's not, you know, within a certain window that you have to fall into and yeah um, yeah so I, I love that flexibility um, so you recently started a podcast Montessori yeah. mom yeah yes I I would love for you to tell us a little bit about Maria Montessori uh, for people who maybe aren't familiar with her or her work or you know her education kind of model. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about um, what you've learned about her and her writing?
1: Yeah, so Maria Montessori was actually a Catholic, and she grew up in Italy, like in late 18- late eighteen hundreds, and was actually one of the first women doctors um, that graduated from uh, medical school. Uh, over there. So that's kind of like her background and how she, she wanted to be a doctor. Her dad always told her that she should be a teacher because that's what women did. Right. So she said, no, I want to be a doctor. But after she graduated from medical school, it was still very faux pas to be a woman in the medical field. So they gave her like the most menial tasks. So they sent her to the, basically the mentally challenged facility for young children to take care of their health needs. And she ended up observing them and, like, saying they can learn. Like, she just saw all the capabilities and, like, the possibilities of life, basically. She was so, like, pro-life and pro-child that Mm. she just saw all the things that that could be. And that the facilities that they were put in were hindering them, really. Like, they weren't given any opportunities to learn or given anything to work with. So that's kind of her background. And then like where she got started and interested in how children can learn. And so from that, she developed her method and it's all about meeting the child where they're at and helping them be as independent as they want to be mm-hmm. um, and working with that. Cause every child goes through that independence phase. It starts around three, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the terrible threes is that when they start learning that they can say no and, they want to say no and they want to have their own opinion and have a say and do their own thing. So um, she is all about like meeting them where they're at and taking that desire of learning and building on that and not forcing them to go through a certain curriculum. Like we're going to start on this st- subject. I don't care what it means to you. Like that's all public school. Like we're going to do the subject and no matter what it, Like, if you think it has anything to do with you or not, like, this is the material that we're going to cover. Like, this is what you need to learn. Whereas she would take a child and put them in an environment that was prepared with all these, like the richness of learning and goodness of things and like things in the culture. And so basically that's what education is, according to like G.K. Chesterton and a lot of like deep Catholic thinkers say that education is the passing on of a culture so her whole thing is if, if you prepare the environment, the children want to be acclimated and want to be adults and they want to learn and they're interested and they think things are cool and it's new to them. So if you put them in this correct environment and you show them how to move in it, that they will basically be able to teach themselves a lot. Like you show them mm-hmm. the basics of like how to move in the environment and how to interact with it. And then they'll just thrive in it themselves. And then they're self-led and self-taught, and very independent, and then that carries through, like, those strengths carry through them the rest of their life, and she's also thinks about the development of the whole human person. Like, we're not just teaching information. Like, we're teaching them virtues. Like, she builds in patience and all the different virtues into her environment as well. For example, for patience, there's only one material. For, like, this one certain thing, there's only one of it, So if you want to work with that and another child is, you have to wait. You have to develop patience of of waiting in order to wait for them to be finished with that material. There's no, like, time limits or anything. Like, that child who's working with it, if they need to work with that for as long as they want to, they're going to get that need met. And the child who wants to work with that is going to get this need met of learning patience.
0: Mm.
1: So... She's really about the whole human person and educating the whole person and uh, not just teaching them to be meet their physical needs in hmm. the physical, secular world, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I love that so much. Our our first exposure to uh, Montessori was through uh, Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. Um, my daughter did that program last year. Yeah, And um, I actually had a podcast episode about that as well. Someone came on and shared a little bit. And... I mean exactly what you're describing when I like peek into the classroom, I was seeing that seeing my daughter experience that her being able to choose like what she wanted to work on that day and you know explore and really learn things kind of herself just by uh checking out you know a certain material and and working with it and um yeah. I, I love that. I find that really, really fascinating. So um, in your home life with, with little ones, especially, how have you been able to implement Montessori? What's awesome about
1: it is that it's
0: not just for school, right? Like, mm-hmm.
1: So our environment is our home and we should try to prepare our home so that our children can move in it and meet their needs and learn how to do home life stuff. So mm-hmm. basically just encouraging them to like have all of their clothes they can reach them and there's not a lot of choices like it's just enough that so like their wardrobe is enough that a three-year-old could manage for a three-year-old you know mm. things like that so it's acclimated to their age and that they can reach it and we make sure we have water cups and like carafes of water that they can fill up on their level they don't have to ask for a drink like that's all available for them or if we do have to put it up high for a crawling baby, that's like climbing. <laughs> yeah. and we make sure we have a stool that they can at least Like if they have to get up on a counter, if we have to raise everything up. Then we make sure we have stools that they can climb up to get to it also. And so just things like that around the house. And also in the way we speak, Montessori is a lot about making sure that the child has their own inner conscience And they're not always looking to somebody else to tell them what's right and wrong because in -hmm. life that gets us into trouble, right? If we're constantly looking to other people or other things to tell us what's right or wrong or what's going on, like we should have this, our own conscience developed with the Holy spirit, you know, like the part Mm -hmm. of the Holy spirit is discernment and wisdom of what's good and what's not. So just in the way we speak with them, like, trying to say, you know, what do you think about that? Or if they do something, like write a picture, not saying, oh, good job, but how? what do you think about this work? Are you excited about it? Are you proud of this? Really interesting. letting them direct how they feel about it and not us, us always having to have a say about their emotions and their feelings, you know? Mm.
0: That's so interesting. I, I never – I mean, even that particular example of like, the the piece of artwork that a child does and asking you know what what they think about that that is not even something that (laughs) I would have thought about that's that's really interesting I love that
1: yeah so that's those type of things is how we implement Montessori I do have like some of the we homeschool so I have some of the works that would you would find in a Montessori classroom and we use those because they're very hands-on and very sensorial um so Another one of her philosophies is that if you can add, the more of the senses you can add into a work, the better that they're going to learn it and make it concrete in their mind. They, they're going to connect it better because we learn through our senses, whether it's sight, smell, taste, or touch. It's a much different to like you read something in a book, but if you can read it and see it and touch it, that's much more of a learning experience. So. Take, for example, horse. Like If you read, just read about a horse, it's all just on this page or maybe like what you kind of imagine in your mind. But then if you read it and like you see a picture of it, it's like, oh, now it makes a lot of sense to where like you're reading about the horse and like what they do. Now you can like see maybe an image of a horse and like image of a horse moving, then that makes another dot. But if you like have a horse in front of you and you can touch it and literally like watch it and, like, feel its hooves Mm -hmm. beat on the ground, sit on the horse or lead it around or whatever, watch it do what it does. That's the biggest learning experience is, like, have the actual thing and, like, you're reading about it, you see it, you touch it. Like, that's a whole – it's a whole body sensorial experience to, like, learn about it, so – yeah. So translated across the board is, it's pretty cool. It's also a lot. So we do a lot of the just using her philosophy and how we parent and how we have our home environment set up. Mm. That's how we mostly Montessori. Yeah, we do a little bit of the school of Montessori, but mostly just how we treat them at home.
0: Mm. That's great. So do you feel like you do a lot of things outside the home as well? Uh, like for example, the horse example that you brought up, do you feel like once you, you know, talk about something in your home, there's a lot of kind of like, I mean, I'm hesitant to use the word like field trip, but do you feel like then you're like doing experiential stuff outside the home as well to kind of go with that? So I am really bad,
1: (laughs) really bad at doing that kind of stuff. So honestly, what our homeschool thing has been is I'm kind of focused on just trying to teach them math and handwriting and then everything else trying to let our environment lead what else they're learning Mm -hmm. we found a dead monarch butterfly in our garden Uh so I was like oh look here's a butterfly and then like we took that inside and then I ended up printing off the life cycle chart of like the butterfly and what it does and So then we learned about like, so then we like went and looked around for the cocoon, like the little Mm -hmm. eggs and that they lay and all of that. So that kind of was like, okay, well, this is our science thing for this week or whatever. And we kept that around for a while and collected caterpillars. And Mm -hmm. so that, that that's kind of how we end up homeschooling other than yeah, just letting the environment lead us and like teach us even like in our home life. So
0: yeah, I think there's so much wisdom in that. And that takes a lot of the pressure off of you as well. Cause it's, it's just what your kids are experiencing in the home that you've prepared. And then as things come up, being able to explain and like learn along with your kids um, is is great. I, I really, really love that. So the particular works that you mentioned that are more of, like, the – what you traditionally see maybe in a Montessori school, uh, could you tell us a little bit about what what those are like?
1: Yeah. So you would call it, like, a material. Okay. Um, So, like, for letters, we have – Maria Montessori has sandpaper letters. So letters cut out of sandpaper, and they're, like, glued to a little wood square – basically like a thin wooden square. And so like for that, you would have set them down with those and then show them how to trace it and make the sound and then have them trace it and make the sound and then ask them like two other different questions for what's called like the basis of Montessori is the three period questions. So you show them and then you ask them a preliminary question. like So you would say, this is I and then trace I, or I you make the sound and then trace it and then say, okay, can you find it for me? And they would find it. And then the next, like the last lesson, our question would be, okay, so here's this letter, which is it. And then they don't know that, but you would say, oh, here's this letter. Can you trace it and make the sound? And then that's like Mm -hmm. the last part of the, that's the third of the third three period lesson. So then that's like the complete, Okay. I know you know this letter now and we'll move on to another set of letters and like learn those. And that's kind of how you move through, mater- through the material. And then they they go back and work with it themselves later whenever they want. It's just available. So we have like cabinets at home with like all the materials in it that I keep child locked. <laughs> and then when we're having like it's school time and the baby that crawls around and gets into everything is napping. Like we have a two hour period. We have free time to work on our Montessori work. So mm. yeah.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I think that's a helpful kind of caveat because I I can imagine my like just myself bringing in a bunch of Montessori material thinking like this is going to be great, but then having it around just all the time and it being kind of uh, crazy and becoming more of like just toys that we just kind of play with all the time and not really something that we are intentionally working with and you know touching and working through. So um yeah, I think that's just a great little side tip to ha- have it put away specifically for a, a certain time. So that
1: it's it's special. Right. Like yeah, and like this retreat differently and like yeah, then you're you're there because Montessori is well, she would say that she could have 30 kids in a room and then be able to manage themselves. Like once you acclimate the child to the environment like bring a new child in and like teach them how everything goes show introduce them to the material and how Mm -hmm. to work with it that they could manage themselves and in that way you could have a lot more children in the room and actually less teachers but you would also have a room for just three to six year olds Mm -hmm. so you're not going to have a one-year-old crawling baby pouring material that's full of water. Pouring is they actually have a tray with little things, crafts of water that are, like, tiny for Mm -hmm. their hands to learn how to pour. Like, that's a separate work to learn how to pour water, pour beans, or to help get control of the movement for your body. Yeah. Sometimes I forget. I'm like, oh, I think I should have be able to have all this stuff out all the time, but I forget they're kind of in isolated ages. Right. (laughs) And they're different. So it's different at home. Doesn't mean you can't do it. Also, when you have older kids, they can watch out for the babies. Right. So, so I have an alarm system built in. The baby is into this and we can catch it before it gets crazy.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, I'm wondering for moms who are like interested in kind of implementing Montessori or this is like resonating with them like as you're as you're sharing but they haven't done this method of parenting and home life and is it is it hard to transition I don't know if you guys actually had that transition if you've kind of always been talking about it but I'm wondering how you transition from you know however you've been doing home life now to more of a Montessori kind of lifestyle
1: yeah, so I didn't find, find Montessori in her works until my second was born. Oh, okay. So we haven't always done it, and it's definitely new to me. I mean, I grew up public school, and like I feel like completely opposite of her philosophy. Mm-hmm. So the biggest transition is not for the kids, but us as adults to like retrain our mind. Mm. But it's just been slow reading her books and just doing a little bit here and there. And like you have these little successes, you know, and just take one thing and say, I'm just going to try this one little thing that like this person says is Montessori and you can do at home. And once you do it and like it, it goes well and you're like, oh, wow, like this worked. And now, for instance, washing like your kids, washing your hands, like you wouldn't think that your one year old can like wash their hands. But if you like get them either a sink low enough or a safe enough stool for them to get up to the bathroom, they're super interested and yeah. they're, like, doing it. Hmm. So I don't think you realize that as much once when you have, like, just one or two. But once you have some more kids and, like, the little ones are watching the older ones, they're basically getting a Montessori experience of, like, they're watching these... Your kids do do it. And there it's, like, more on their level and their size. And so they're... They just absorb more that way for some reason. I don't know if they just don't see adults do it as much because it's higher up, but I realized so much more that even young, like they can do it even younger than I thought they could because they're watching the older siblings do it. Hmm. So yeah, basically we started out slow and just, okay, I'm just going to do this one thing and implement it. And when that went well, okay, well, I'll just, then I'll start on the next thing and just work on like one thing at a time and basically was like trying to read out loud to my husband to like get him on board
0: (laughs) (laughs) is he on board with it would you say
1: yeah he is and he actually did Montessori school for a couple of years when he was younger when his parents were stationed in Germany oh okay Germany so he like doesn't realize I guess how much of Montessori like things are that we're doing until he like has flashbacks. Hmm. But yeah, he's open to it. I just am bad at explaining things probably. So we try to do it. And as long as I'm like explaining and talking about it, then he's on board. Hmm. It's just my personality is I don't talk a whole lot. Mm -hmm. And he talks a lot. So that's a barrier. (laughs) The difference in our lingual capabilities and personalities, yeah.
0: I I'm wondering, like, as you were talking about the sink and like having uh water to be able to pour at their level to get their water. I'm I'm loving this by the way. I so many of these things I wouldn't have thought of. But I'm wondering when you have I wonder if you have run into this at all, where you have other kids over who aren't familiar with like a Montessori kind of home environment yes is there like craziness <laughs> yes so there is do you is there any way to kind of like prepare for that or is that usually like you set things up or how, how do you it's do that a
1: Play date and like yeah if it's just a play date and like I'm just trying to like we're just trying to have friends and like hang out with people I kind of just I put everything away yeah. honestly because we have acclimated our kids to how we want to for them to be in our environment, right? So we have open cups, like not sippy cups, open cups with crafts that they can pour, but it has to stay in the kitchen, like it doesn't go in any other room. That's our rules. Kids are really like if you are consistent about it, they acclimate really quickly, especially if they grow up in it. So they just know. And so if other kids come over. In most homes, you have a sippy cup and the kids can take it wherever and, you know, we have that for our one-year-olds, but Mm -hmm. once she learns how to pour and, like, is really good at holding a cup, we'll take the sippy cup away and it'll just be, it'll probably be a week of helping her understand that this open cup stays at her little table and it doesn't go anywhere else, you know? Right. But other, yeah, so other families, other kids, they, they just, it's different than their home, so we usually just... It up, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's like maybe an hour or two play date, and then we put it back out. But that's why I have cabinets that are child locked
0: for yeah. that reason. Too. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense.
1: The previous homes, I just had them like in a pantry closet or like a, a a closet in one of the kids' rooms or like in the living room, and that would be locked. And then when it was school time, I would just open up the closet, and everything is there and already set up. So you know, you just it's easy to just close the closet doors. And then everything's ready for when you do school time again or schoolwork. But yeah, I've kind of taken that approach to toys also. So we don't have like just a big toy bin because a big thing for Montessori also is kids learning how to keep things organized and separate and together and like categorized, like categorizing mm. things for kids. So we have we do have some bins, but it's like all the dinosaurs go in that bin and nothing else no balls or no other toys. When we pick up, we put things in the right place together and we do it together and they they know. So yeah, my, like when we go to my parents' house, my mom like has this big toy bin. She wants all the toys to go in this one bin. But it's confusing because then they're like 10 different parts to this one toy and it's all strewed around in this bin and the kids can't find it. And so they end up just chewing on them or using them for other purposes.
0: Hmm, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. We, we recently switched to doing um kind of like individual bins for individual things, like vehicles or, you know, yeah. dolls, whatever. Yeah, the and, um, the yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, and oh, so the cleanup, I wanted to ask you about that, because um, I think what I'm realizing is that I just need to be more a part of cleanup with the ages of my kids, yeah. because even... Even if it's like all you, I feel like saying like all you have to do is put the costumes back in the box, but there's just, I, I think it probably is just their ages. How involved in like the cleanup process are you? So it's hard when you have kids that are different ages,
1: right? Yeah. It's for a three-year-old, they might need more help. Mm-hmm. And for a five-year-old or a six-year-old, they can probably do it themselves. They mm-hmm. don't really need help. They just need consistency of somebody keeping them accountable. Mm, (laughs) You know, like seeing that they just dropped this thing and didn't put it back where it belonged. Because, I mean, the big, the first hurdle is having a space for everything that stays the same Mm. for the little kids. Because Montessori would say that they have what's called the absorbent mind. So they don't, they will like take a picture of an entire space in their mind and if it stays the same, like, they'll, they will remember everything and where it is. Hmm. And, like, that's how they get their um, security and self-security is acclimating themselves to their environment and orienting them, hmm. orienting themselves to it. So if things change or we move our furniture or we move houses, then they're all screwed up. That's why they have tantrums and, like... Hmm kind of like get all out of sorts whenever we move houses or like move things in our house because now they don't know where it is because they only know the drawer that has the cars in it. They only know where that is in relation to the bookshelf that's across the room. So Mm. if you move the drawer with cars in it or if you move the bookshelf, then they don't know where anything is now because it's like this big picture in their mind. They can't like they can't separate it out yet.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: So that's the first hurdle is like having a place for everything and it's staying the same. And then definitely I've had that realization too, that my kids need my help picking up like the littler ones. And it's not like you have to do it for them, but it's just like doing it with them or like picking the toy up and handing it to them and saying, where does this go? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But they don't know you show them. But yeah, definitely for the littler ones, like two, three, maybe even sometimes four needing help. But I feel like it's it's so different at home because you are busy with other things. So you, you can't be on top of them all the time, which is also good. But if you pick up at little times throughout the day, then they're getting more of a sense of when I am finished with something, it should go where it belongs. They're not allowed to just pile up toys all day long or all week long before you pick up you know?
0: Yeah, that's so good. And I, I think I love what you said about the routine and kind of the habit of it too, because I think my tendency is like, if I see something, oh, it's just easier for me to pick it up and put it away myself. But yeah. then it's like, they're not able to make that connection if I'm always doing that for them. Um, even if it's easier at the moment, <laughs> you know, what, what, would probably be better is to say, oh, where does this go? And like you said, if they don't know, then walking them through that. That's a
1: big Montessori thing is she says that you need to teach them how to do it and then give them the chance to notice when it needs to be done. So like teach them how to like once once we're finished with this toy, it goes back and then goes right back where it belongs before you get – so like maybe the rule would be one toy out at a time. So let them make the mistake. Like you don't want to be on top of them 24-7. Like once you see them drop the toy move on to something else, like just gently and nicely say, oh, a doll is out on the floor. Do you know who was playing with that or where that came from? And then they'll say, oh, that was me. And then they'll go pick it up and put it away without you even having to say, Mm -hmm. hey, you need to pick up your stuff. You know, it's like so very much non-confrontational and just saying, hey, I noticed this. Did you notice this, or do you know anything about that? Hmm. And if you've gone like gone through the process with them at least once or twice, like they'll they are like, oh yeah, that's me, and like I uh, we have this rule now. Like especially when the kids turn five or six, they super get into rules, right? So
0: <laughs>
1: they if you like say we have this new rule, they're super on top of that for <laughs> everybody. Mommy, you
0: didn't put your shoes where they are supposed to go. <laughs> Mommy. Yeah. yeah. So. Do you feel like you had to go through like a simplifying or like a downsizing process to be able to even kind of start implementing? Because I'm thinking now of like, we we have downsized our toys a little bit, but I'm even thinking now when you were talking about having a space for everything, that we could probably do that again <laughs> to uh, to really make sure there is a space for everything. Did you have to go through that process of, of simplifying? Um, not
1: until recently, actually, because when we lived in Toledo, when the first two we were born, we lived away from family. And I just, I don't buy toys. And my husband doesn't, we, we just don't buy toys. And my mom doesn't really buy toys. So we never really had a whole lot until we moved home around family and like it's awesome because that's how your family wants to love you a lot of time right
0: yeah
1: um so recently yeah we've been we've had to thin out and donate and like at Christmas I didn't even like we went away for Christmas to the family Christmas and literally came back with a trunk full of new things so Mm -hmm. I didn't even get it out of the box until I had made space in the house which meant taking things out of the places we already have and putting them in the attic or donating them saying like we're we're done with this or this will go away for a younger child like whenever they they're ready for it Mm -hmm. and then putting a few things out whatever would fit in that space and then the rest just Mm -hmm. stayed in until we filtered through it but yeah there's like there's only a certain amount of space in the room we have for toys and like we don't bring anything more than that uh, unless it's like helium
0: balloons
1: (laughs) yeah yeah it's like balloons from a party like that's like we just that's the space we have for toys and then if you have like this allotted space you're not going to have more than you can fit in your home reasonably but also thinking about how old your kids are because you know, like a three-year-old can't manage what a five-year-old can or what a, like a five-year-old can't manage what an adult can. So if you are noticing that they're making like a big mess of things and like things are constantly being messy, then it's probably just too much for them to handle. Mm-hmm. They can only manage what they can handle anyways. You know, they're not there yet. You wouldn't, you wouldn't put like a, a junior swimmer in, a, in an Olympic size swimming pool and say, okay, go like do 10 laps mm-hmm. they they just can't manage it right so it's like unreasonable expectations
0: do you feel like you have some resources or like a particular Montessori book that you would point people to who are interested in say like either you know first introduction to Montessori or trying to figure out like age-appropriate kind of Montessori um, are there resources that, that you would recommend? So
1: if you want to just like read about Maria's philosophy and basically just like fall in love with her thoughts, <laughs> and <laughs> right. I would recommend a book that's called Spontaneous Activity and Education by Maria Montessori. Okay. But if you're like want to just take a look at what like a book is, that talks about what your home would look like or how to even like make your home a Montessori environment for your kids. Then I would recommend a book that's called Montessori from the start by Paula polk hmm. Willard. Okay. Um, and she literally goes through every room in your house that could be acclimated to your child and how to do it hmm. and like what materials to get because Maria Montessori is really good about this philosophy and like a big picture and she doesn't explain exactly, like, how to do the little things. But this book, like, this um, this woman, um, Paula Lillard, like, really takes you through, like, okay, this is, like, how you would – takes you through your home and, like, how it would actually look like in a home environment. Mm. So – and but that's Montessori from the start. It's probably more, like, three- to six-year-old kids. And Montessori's got some other books for, like, older kids. But I feel like that's – Montessori is more, her philosophy is most helpful for young children. Hmm. Definitely cool. like useful all the way up to 12 and like her, just in her philosophy about education and approaching that and um, approaching like the independence of the child and like just respect hmm. for the child really hmm. um, goes all the way up. But um, yeah, she's super helpful for like little kids Maybe it's just because I wasn't raised around a lot of little kids, so, like, I just didn't know how to, like, what to expect.
0: Mm -hmm. And she, like,
1: fulfilled all those expectations of, like, what I could expect, Mm -hmm. uh, like, of a toddler, so.
0: Yeah, and I feel like I am often surprised at what my three-year-old or what my five-year-old can handle or what they can do, and, um, yeah, I'm interested, I'll be interested to read, uh, to look into that and and reads a little bit more because I think there's probably, I'm sure there's probably more that they're capable of that I'm like not even aware of. So I'm not even providing the opportunity for it. So, um, yeah, I I love that you mentioned that. Yeah. Um, well, Danielle, I'd love to ask you, how have you seen the Lord at work in your life the last year? Oh man, that's a big question. It is. Yeah. (laughs) And a year, I mean, that's a long time. A lot of things have probably happened for you guys. To be, like, put my heart out on the table,
1: actually. Um, I've actually been really struggling in my faith the last year. Um, and part of that probably has a lot to do with having a baby and going through um, postpartum depression again. Mm-hmm. But – um Cause the, like, especially during the newborn period, as you probably m- know very well, mm-hmm. you really lose your routine and mm-hmm. your ability to, to take care of your own needs for a while. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, daily showers go out the window. And with yeah. that daily prayer life and all the things that you depend on to as a fulfilling routine to like fill you up every day. Um, It's Mm -hmm. really hard to keep that stable when you have a newborn and other kids on top of it, you know, I guess. So we had number five last year in January. And so she's almost a year and a half old or no last March. Sorry. She just turned a year. So about a year ago. So like this past year has been a really big struggle for me. Um, But I, have found like the Lord at work in a lot of um, adult ministry at our church actually, Mm -hmm. Um, which I guess to toot my husband's horn has like, has started (laughs) up a lot of great um, ministries uh, at our parish that allow you to like go and just talk openly about where you are in your faith. And it's okay Mm -hmm. to like say, yeah, like, I've been a cradopathic my whole life and there's been times whenever I've been like so on fire and then other times where I'm like doubting like okay God are do you actually exist like I've never actually really seen you and I have like you know like you just go through dark periods in your life sometimes where it's like yeah everybody goes through those and it's hard to. Um, admit that you are, like, you want to be that strong person, and, like, also, there's part of you that's, like, thinking that uh, you're ungrateful because you know in the back of your mind these things that the Lord has done for you, but mm-hmm. you don't feel them right now, you know, or you've lost mm-hmm. that feeling. Yeah, so I feel like having a lot of kids and, like, going through the whole newborn stage and postpartum depression and, like like, going through, like, losing your daily prayer life and, like, Having a hard time with those routines has like really taken a toll on my faith, and so I've seen the Lord at work. Yeah, just in like being able to be involved in these ministries at church that allow you to like, they have babysitting, (laughs) they have like church, and you can go and like talk about with your faith, talk about your faith with adults, and like adoration and praise and worship and like have those times where it's just you and the Lord, Um, which is really hard to do when you have kids and somebody's always Mm -hmm. sick and, or you're somewhere new and you don't have a babysitter yet, or you haven't found anybody that you trust to watch your kids yet. Or Mm -hmm. so that's been like a huge blessing for me to have that available. And also I've been just trying, I have like this heart that likes to suffer for the rest of the world. I don't know why, but mm. yeah. <laughs> so I can like look at all the suffering in the world and just feel like, oh my gosh, God, like, where are you and why would you let this happen? Mm. So I've just been trying to like combat that with the thankfulness for what the Lord has done for me and like mm. the big things and the little things, like, oh my gosh, we have a house. Like, that's huge. <laughs> We have a house that we don't get wet when it rains. We're not scared when there's like 50 mile an hour winds or like tornadoes around because we have a shelter. You know, we're not Mm. in a living in a house that's made out of pallets or whatever, which is like how a lot of the world lives. I feel like we don't realize that a lot Mm. as even like middle class Americans in our suburbs a lot. We don't realize all the gifts that we have at our disposal and like resources. So yeah, I've just been trying to be grateful. So that's definitely trying to like stay attached to the Lord in that way. And just remembering all the things that he has done for me in the past, like where I was in my faith life 10 years ago and where I am now is like still, still so much better off than I was 10 years ago. (laughs) So
0: yeah, I, I so appreciate you saying that because I, I mean, uh, there's so many um, young moms or new moms that listen to the show. And I think that um, it can feel like, you know, when you have a newborn, is this ever going to end? Or is this going to be my life um, forever? so true. And yeah, so it's good to hear people who are going through that too. So you don't feel alone in that. It's so hard to remember when you're in it.
1: and um, When other moms come to me and say that, it's such a good reminder for myself because I've finally come up with this motto that's like, basically, just give yourself a year.
0: Mm. Just give yourself
1: a year to get back to normal.
0: Mm. That's so good.
1: At least a year. Like, yeah, things are hard and that's okay because you're going through a change and you have this tiny little, basically, vampire that's stuck to you all the time and you <laughs> And, and if you're like me and like you need, you have a bubble, mm-hmm. you know, a large bubble that's physical, that's even harder. So yeah. definitely like wait, wait till they're walking and then, then you can analyze and maybe you judge yourself a little bit. But until mm-hmm. then, give yourself a year. Yeah. Like and be not okay because it takes a while.
0: Yeah, it really does. And I think about um, that phrase, uh, I don't even know who this is attributed to, but the like small, what is it? Long long days and short years, like the years seem to go by super fast. But then when you're thinking about just your day-to-day life, it's just so long. (laughs) The days are so long, I feel like. Um, And I think that's just, uh, you know, the, the phase that you're in when you have um newborns and toddlers and um and yeah that's that's good to remember and it's good to know that other people are going through that so yeah. i appreciate you sharing that
1: yeah well when you think about your days too there with a lot of little kids around it's so you're so um your focus is broken so often Mm. So, like, your attention's, like, you're always switching your attention to something else. Yeah. Statistically, like, they've done research on, and, like, especially with social media, and, like, when you're doing your work and you break from your work to look at social media, how much it slows down your production and your cognitive, like, your cognition, and, like, how Mm. long your brain's working. So if you think, like, a mom at home with all these little kids, and, like, you're constantly, your mind's going from, finish this chore, uh, change this diaper, this kid's screaming, like, you know, um, this kid needs help with their shoes. Like you're constantly, constantly switching from like kid to kid to kid to house chore, like meals, like it's always like just bouncing around. Mm. So it totally makes sense that it's, that it makes it so much harder.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I had never even put that together. But you're absolutely right. Yeah, that does, um, I'm sure make it it feel longer. And when you have that, that break. Yeah, I mean, even when I feel like I have a moment where I can uh, sit down and like, read a couple pages in a book, and it's like, (laughs) then I'm interrupted by something. And then, you know, the next day when I have a minute to look at the book again, it's like I have to reread the page because it was like, oh, I know I've read this, but I just, yeah, everything takes a little bit longer. Yeah, it
1: makes it hard um, for you to focus on anything when your attention Mm -hmm. span is broken up like that so often. And it takes Mm -hmm. a while to get back to being able to focus again. Like after Mm -hmm. you have a break, like it takes an acclimation period.
0: (laughs) And who's going to get that? Right. You yeah.
1: Enough have to find time to read a book or pray, and then you have to like have time to like settle down from like your mind bouncing back and forth. Like it's got to have time to settle before you focus.
0: Mm. That's so interesting. Yeah, that's great. That's great to think about. Hmm. Um. And what would you say, Danielle, is your favorite part of your home and why?
1: My favorite part of my home is probably outside. Mm. I'm like a big outdoors person and I don't know why I just get so much fulfillment from like growing things and then looking pretty, but more so like growing vegetables and mm. food. It's so cool to plant a seed, take care of it, and then with it, put food on mm. your table. It's just the biggest sense of completion and satisfaction. So definitely outside and like the garden. That's my favorite part of my home. I
0: love that. <laughs> Have you always been that way? Interested in gardening and I never got into gardening until I we bought our first home.
1: Actually. I've always been an outdoors person and was like big into like outdoor sports and um we had horses. I love being outside on four wheelers and just love being outside. I just at the lake or anything to do with not being surrounded by four walls
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah <laughs> so like that's always been a part of it but then um, I think after like having kids and like having a husband um, and then having our own property and being able to like from that property like fulfill the vocation of also caring for my kids and my husband by feeding them with like something I've grown with mm-hmm. my own hands is yeah it didn't become a thing until we like had our own place
0: yeah
1: it was just like the biggest thing for me and like since then I have like has sprung up this dream of I want to be like self have one of those homestead farms and be self-sustainable and like (laughs) yeah that'd be so Mm. cool probably will never happen but that's like the ultimate dream if I want to like fulfill Mm. my
0: soul (laughs) (laughs) that's great um Someone was, I was talking to someone else about this and they were talking about um, getting chickens and how chickens are kind of like the gateway into other things. Cause then you end up getting like goats and then your garden is like yeah. so expanded and it just like continues to grow and grow and grow. So yeah. one step at a time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what have you been loving recently? Ice cream is definitely always something that
1: is like a thread in my life. I've always yeah. loved <laughs>
0: me too. I'm an emotional
1: eater if you can't tell definitely look to food for her pleasure which is probably not good but um kind of on a crazy note i have actually just discovered who lady gaga oh, is oh
0: yeah so you hadn't been familiar with any of her her music prior to no
1: i have like heard her name and knew she was like some singer and then we were on like a long flight this this year And so she has. she's, like, in a movie now. Like, she has, like, a big movie out where she's the star is born. Okay. So she's, like, the main actress in it. So on the movie, she's singing, right? And I was, like, oh, my gosh, she has a voice. Yeah. Like, (laughs) so she's super talented as, like, a musician and a performer and uh, definitely is, like, has such ambition to the point where she is, like, totally destroying her body to like reach her goals Mm. (laughs) but um totally would not recommend watching any of her music videos Mm -hmm. because they're actually disturbing Mm. (laughs) to me and uh you're gonna see her basically naked Mm. so like that part of aspect i'm sure like just comes along with oh my gosh just being in the secular world and like all of the things that come with like trying to be so popular but um anyways as a musician and a performer she's super talented so i've been listening to her music super catchy and fun um but some of yeah some of her music other music i would not listen to but that's kind of like the weird thing i've been into lately
0: yeah, and i think she is i don't know if she's oh she's probably not a practicing catholic but she's at least a fallen away catholic um, because yeah. I know she has spoken about the Eucharist before, and I remember being surprised about that. Um, yeah, so that's that's interesting. So, yeah, we should yeah pray for her because if she has fallen yeah, away, and yeah, because I think you're right. I think she is really, really talented. Um, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And uh, my last question, do you have any mom hacks to share or something that's making your life a little easier?
1: There are so many, (laughs) so many, like every day is a discovery. Mm -hmm. What if I, um, I was trying, this is actually one of the things I've been thinking about a lot when you told me, they gave me this question to like share, like, what is the best mom hack I've ever had? And there's something recently and I just can't
0: like tap into it.
1: Definitely meal prepping is like
0: amazing. Do you use a certain kind of like meal prep method or just no
1: okay no yeah. <laughs> whatever you're cooking double or triple it and then freeze it ah. but like if you're cooking dinner for that night make it for like three times the amount as it, you would need mm-hmm. and then just like put that in the freezer if it's freezeable, of course yeah yeah that's like probably the biggest mom hack I mean instead of like when you're pregnant and everybody's like oh the nursery theme and like decorations on all this I'm like none of that like i'm just i'm just Males. making food yeah i am filling up an entire freezer full of meals to like feed us for half a year mm. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so that's kind of the biggest thing that and like something somebody shared with me actually it's probably in a like in some type of like productivity book is that so as parents of young kids the bathroom is always gross right mm-hmm. Because kids can't really, they don't have a whole lot of physical coordination yet. So aim and <laughs> like, wiping, like all that. like right. Yeah. Yeah. So in every bathroom, keep cleaning materials to clean that entire, like whatever you would need, like keep a separate mm-hmm. set in each bathroom so that if you're in there, like waiting on somebody to be finished going to the bathroom so you can help them like get cleaned up, like you can be pull the stuff out of the cabinet and just be like wiping down the sink mm. or wiping the mirror or like, you know, clean the floor, wipe in like the splashes off the wall, whatever. Yeah.
0: That's, that's like, great.
1: that's one of the most amazing things I've heard of for like being able to keep your house clean. I think.
0: Yeah. That's, that's so good. Yeah. That's really good. I, uh I, yeah, I love the idea of when you're in the bathroom for something else, trying to like do other things at the same time, like wiping it down or whatever. We uh, just moved into this house uh, a year, a little over a year ago. And our um, washer and dryer are in our bathroom. And at first I wasn't sure I was going to like that, but I actually love it because when I'm giving the kids a bath, I can be doing laundry or uh, like, it's it's just, it's nice to kind of Put those things together, so <laughs> I um, love that. True,
1: yeah. Like every time we have bath time, we have to do a load of towels. Yeah, <laughs> like, for some reason, my husband thinks that every kid needs their own towel. My mom thinks that too. I'm like, they're kids. It's okay if it's a little wet. He's yeah, just the towel. They want to go put their clothes on, and then just the towel. So we end up if he does bath time, it's like for somehow 10 we have five kids but 10 towels get used (laughs) we don't have the space to like hang up 10 towels for them to dry so they just go they just get washed and dried and put it back away in the cabinet (laughs)
0: that's so funny that's great i love it uh well danielle thanks so much it has been uh really great chatting with you um Can you tell us a little bit about where um, people can find your podcast? Do you recommend just going to a podcast player or um, do you have a website, that sort of thing?
1: Um, Yeah, just I would, I don't have a website. I'm on um, Apple Podcasts and um, I think Fireside is the podcast uh, platform I'm on. And it's linked to my Instagram account, account, which is Danielle Mitchell and I think I have the name tagged Montessori mom on there. So great. Yeah. Apple podcast. Definitely Montessori mom.
0: Awesome. I will um, be sure to link to that. And I have like loved the episodes that I've listened to. There was, um, it might've been your first one or maybe one of your first ones where there were, your kids were in the background and you were just saying like, I was kind of, I'm paraphrasing here, but you were waiting for like a perfect time to start. And you just realized like, this is motherhood, and you know they're just going to be around. And yeah. I knew when I listened to that, I was like, "Yes, I'm going to love this podcast." <laughs> so, um yeah, so I'm grateful for you doing it, and I'll be sure to to link to it in the show notes as well. So, thanks, Amber. Uh huh. Let me go ahead and close this in a prayer. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for our lives and um, our motherhood. And we pray that we can continue to seek you in prayer and in raising our children and in uh, loving our spouses. Uh, Jesus, we offer this day to you and we make this prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hi friends, I so appreciated Danielle's honesty with Going through a season of hardship and doubt, especially when you have a newborn or little ones at home, in today's culture where many of us don't live near family or don't know our neighbors or have any sort of community established, I know it can feel isolating and lonely. Please know that you are especially in my prayers this week. You can find the show notes for today's episode at diapersanddisciples.com. Thanks for listening in today, friends. God bless.